This morning, our great God, we thank you that we can, we are so thankful, so grateful, and so mindful of you. God, where would we be without you? Your presence, your love, your power. God, how you sustain us on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly, and seasonally basis. We marvel at that. This morning, as your word is read, as it's preached, as we have so many things we're doing this morning in so many places. God, focus us on your word as you focus us on you. Thank you for the worship team and their wonderful. Let us, showing us how to point to you, Lord. And we look to you this morning. May you bless your word. May you honor the preaching of your word, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. Uh, we have been going over a series of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest message in Matthew 5 through 7. This morning, I'd like to talk about what it means to be pure in heart. Would you turn to Matthew 5, 7? The person like most Christ today, a bold man to wear the sandals in this weather. I'll give you that. Amen. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Matthew 5, 7 says, Matthew 5, 8, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'll, one of these days I'm going to get this right with you guys and, and understand that uh, Matthew 5, 8 says this. God blesses those who are pure, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God in all the Beatitudes. I like this one because I want to see God, don't you? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I was thinking the other day, I walked through our house, and I have three families basically living in our house now. Uh, I have this wonderful family, my daughter and my wonderful son-in-law, and their five children are here today. My son is not here, but he lives with us, and uh, I, uh, I have my children with me, let me say that. So our house is a little crowded. Uh, it's a lot crowded, so uh, I'm not bitter. I'm glad they're there. Uh, but when I looked through a house, I was thinking, you know what? What if God paid a visit to our house? I would. He'd love our house because our children worship. They're great. But if he went in the garage, he would say, he would just keep walking. And if he went in the basement, he would just keep walking because there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, and it's some of my stuff and some of their stuff, and we just got stuff. And I'd say I'd have to clean, make sure the restrooms are clean, because God forbid that he should go into a dirty restroom. And I'd have to clean up the kitchen, which is mostly clean and pretty good, the living room. I would probably have to vacuum some stuff because we have a labradoodle. And you know why we got the dog? Because they said it doesn't shed. They have lied to you about the labradoodle, uh, because it is a shedding puppy. So we have got hair all over the place. So I'd have to put some stuff away. And, you know, then I get to realizing that God has come. God sent Jesus. And God has come. And God has come in the flesh in Jesus. And Jesus came. And on the Sermon on the Mount, he preached absolutely the greatest structural sermon and message that's ever been preached. And I realize when God comes, he makes this statement. You want to see God be pure in heart. I was thinking about what it means to be pure in heart. The word means uncontaminated. 
not, not, not diluted. So we'll get this cleaner sometimes, you know. And uh, it says one to three, like you mix it just because it's real powerful. And, and I, when I was young and I was cleaning, they put me, I, I, got in, I got in trouble at Bible college. And I was out past curfew. And curfew back then, Bev, was uh, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock weeknights, 11 o'clock weekends. No dating first year, freshman year. It's probably a good thing. Probably some people know dating the rest of their life, but I'm okay. But I'm saying uh, they better get it right with their wife. But uh, I married well, 43 years, still going. Amen. So um, I got in at like 11.15, and you know, we had a guy in our hall. He was, uh, he liked the rules. So our hall monitor was a rules guy. So he was sitting there, 11.15, Snyder. So that meant I had to do cafeteria duty. So I had to clean the cafeteria for two days. So they had this solution, and it was like I didn't see mix one to three. So I just poured it in like it was. And I I started cleaning, George, and I couldn't see after a while because I didn't realize the alcohol was so strong. I needed to put three, three, three buckets of water per one cap of that, and I couldn't see. And I, he said, you've never done this before. And I said, I've cleaned. He said, no, you haven't cleaned that much. Let me show you how to do it. So uh, Paul Ecker, who was our, our cafeteria guy, showed me how to do that. But I think about that as a pure heart, and God wants our heart not diluted. God wants our heart pure. God wants our heart. The Bible talks about a single eye, talks about focus, because a diseased eye in the New Testament, when someone saw you with a diseased bad eye, that was they, they, tore, they tore back at you because they thought it might be like being a leper. Uh, but when he talks about having a pure heart, the heart is the center of our soul. It's the core of our being. Uh, we don't want that diluted. We don't want that... We don't want that contaminated. That's why Christ was always on the Pharisees. He told them, your heart's deluded because you're worried about the outward appearance. And God is worried about our heart. God is worried about the center of our being. He was saying this. You know a person by their heart. But you know the thing about the heart? The Pharisees were trying to clean it outwardly. And Jesus says, you can only have a pure heart by having me. That's why the Bible says in John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess in your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be safe with the mouth. Confession is made to righteousness. We cannot. This is what bothers the world. We can't get righteous by ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. All the humanism, all the secularism, everything that says, I want to make my own decisions. God says you can only be clean by me, by what I've done on the cross and how I paid the price. I used to work hard. I still do, but I worked hard when I was young. My first job, I was moving. This is a real great, Harold, I was moving hide beds So they are real light. So my first job at 18 years old, at my freshman year in college, I was moving high to beds. So I work, and you know what? The first paycheck I got, it was the first time they ever took taxes out. So I went, what? 
Social Security? What? State? Federal? I didn't realize what is going on here. I work for all that money and somebody else is taking it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but there, when you work, you do get wages. And when you sin, there is a wage. And uh, that wage can only be paid by a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is Jesus. I want to ask you something. Do you have a pure heart this morning? Because a pure heart can only come because Christ gives us a pure heart. I want to pray with you today, and I want you to pray with me that God will give us a pure heart. Because I'm going to preach the second part of my message on how to keep a pure heart. But you can't keep a pure heart unless you have a pure heart. You can only have a pure heart because of Jesus. So a lot of people reverse the message and want to preach about a pure heart, but people don't have a pure heart. Would you pray with me? Say, dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you today. I give you my heart. Make my heart pure like you want it. Thank you for dying for me. I give you my life. I give you my future. I put my life in your hands. Wash me clean, Jesus. Because only you can give a pure heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. God gives the pure heart, folks. There's no way you can materialize it. There's no way you can manifest it. Only God can give it. How do you keep a pure heart? Where'd my girl go? Tell Wonder to come back in here. Tell Liz I want to see. She's bringing her back in right now. I'm going to show you the first way to keep a pure heart. Hey, oh, don't. It's okay. It's okay. I know, I know. Sometimes it's tough, isn't it? I got you. Mom's right there. I do that sometimes, too. It's usually Pepsi Zero. Um, you know, I was thinking about how to keep a pure heart. See this? This is the first way to keep a pure heart. I'm glad they're here today. I would have showed a, a photograph of her if she wasn't here. A childlike heart. And see, you read a scripture this morning. You better quit getting in my notes before I preach, young lady. But when she said, you read the scripture that we don't act like a child. Our behavior should never be childlike as Christians. But our faith should be childlike. Hi, buddy. It's okay. Don't be afraid. They're just people. They're, they're good church people. They intimidate me sometimes too, but I love them. Uh, but if you look at a child and look at their innocence, our heart ought to be pure towards God. Our leaning, our faith ought to be pure. Do you know that? When you come to God, you ought to trust him. It's the hardest thing to do in life is to trust God. But our faith needs to be childlike. Our faith needs to approach. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Go back to mom while you're choking there. Mom, straighten her up. Um, but I feel like sometimes, get that image in your mind of a child. Because I think we want to move away from childish things because the Bible talks so much about moving away from childish things. But God says that, our, that unless you come to me as a child, Jesus said, you won't enter the kingdom. It is impossible to come to Christ unless you trust him. So I would say you keep a pure heart by having that childlike wonder. Amen? Because I'm, again, get wonder in your head. Get that image in your mind. Every time you get angry, every time you get mad, every time you want to curse someone that doesn't follow your doctrine or your belief or your way of life, just remember, God, I need a childlike heart towards people. I need a childlike heart to trust you. I need a childlike heart 
to believe you. I think that's how one way you keep a pure heart is to keep a childlike heart. The second way is, again, the Sunday school teachers in my notes. Uh, the second way, and you said it very clearly this morning, and I want to see here again, is to repent quickly. Because I think what we do is we hold on and think God's got to speak to us in a service or speak to us through a word or God's got to hit us over the head for the hammer to say, you should get right. We should be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to say, God, just nudge me. Just nudge me. When I say repent, I want you to get in your mind on these houses on TV where they do these flipping jobs. They flip their houses. You know, you got to flip it. What's the key of flipping? You want to turn it around quickly so you can retrieve the money and put it in the next house. That Get that in your mind. That should exactly be how repentance is. You should turn around quick. You should be sensitive to God. Be sensitive in your heart and say, God, I'm going to keep a pure heart. If I've offended my brother, if I've offended somebody, I'm going to ask forgiveness because whoever sins you remit, they will be remitted. There's power in forgiveness. As we allow God to help us Turn it around. Titus 3.5 says this. He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. That's talking about repentance. Jesus said this when he's starting his message on the kingdom in Matthew 4, and he's out preaching. He's, the first thing he says is, repent, turn from your sins because the kingdom of God is at hand. When I'm talking about repentance, I'm talking about turning away from sin and walking the other way. A lot of times we repent and walk right back in. Repentance to me is non... Of course, the Bible says that godly sorrow does work repentance. But I think it's more than being sorry. I think it's asking God to show you a way that you could grow in that area in your life. You want a pure heart? Repent quickly. Like flipping a house, turn around. Childlike face, like my granddaughter turning a house around. I want you to get these images in your mind because I don't only want you all to have a pure heart, I want you to keep a pure heart. To keep projected towards a pure Short message, we have a dinner today, we're going to be installed as members. I'm going to be a member of your church. Uh, yeah, I'm pastoring, I need to be a member. And I'm going to be installed as pastor today. So we've got a lot going on. So if you're saying he didn't put a lot of content, believe me, I got enough notes for three hours. I'm going to cut it down today, Oh. Uh, I don't know if your seat can endure that type of message. Uh, pure heart, childlike repentance. And I, this is, this is redu- you'll see this theme redundant in this passage. It'll be redundant in Jesus' message. When we use this, the reason you say, boy, it sounds like we're going back to that. We are because it's the crux or one of the foundational keys to be in the kingdom of God. This new kingdom, this new community that Christ was teaching us. That through the Old Testament, God was trying to teach them how to be a people of God. And in the New Testament, Christ is trying to teach us how to be the community of faith. We need number three, dependency on God. We have to have it. We have to have it. If you are not dependent on God, I'll use one illustration and I'm done. Steve, enjoy this one because it'll be the shortest one I've ever done. Uh, so, dep- yeah, dependency on God. We were in Mexico City doing a missions trip. And I can't wait till we, uh, we take the men and the church grows and we do some missions trips. I'm excited about that for you all because I believe God wants us not only to reach North Kansas City but the world. Our call is North Kansas City. Our burden is the world. 
Um, so we're in Mexico City, and we were, we were blessed enough and foolish enough to take, Wendy and I took 66 teenagers to Mexico City. So getting, if you've ever been to Mexico City on their subway system, get ready. So piling 66 kids on a subway is a chore. I had two other couples with me, and they were exhausted after the first day. So we're all getting on the subway, and then we stayed downtown. It was in 88. During, like, the World Cup, it was insane. And then we went to a place called Chimaguacan. It was a... uh, Mexico City at that time was the largest city in the world. Outside of the city, there was a dump area where there was trash, but it was where all the criminals and all the, po- the, the hideous poverty of Mexico City was. It was an area as big as Dallas-Fort Worth, and five million people lived in that area. It's pretty crowded. So we did a medical missions trip, and during the morning, we would do – we had dentists and doctors, and we would take care of people's dental work and give them uh, – uh, antibiotics and take care of them with vitamins and we would do a clinic and then we'd do a children's crusade. We flip that in the evening and do an adult crusade and then take care of the, uh, take care of the children in the evening. So it was, uh, it was in the afternoon and Wendy and I were going out just trying to get people to come to the revival that night, the tent crusade. And I remember we were walking and I, I, was, I had one of the adults and I said, take the kids down that way. And for some reason, Wendy and I went down another path. We probably shouldn't went by ourselves because there, there's a lot of criminal element in this area. So we went by this one lean-to. If you're from Missouri, you know what a lean-to is anyway. But I'm saying it had a three, <laughs> three pieces of uh, two-by-four or four and then a big piece of plastic draped down and rocks had held the plastic down. And we knew that was a house, so we walked in and picture a dirt floor and 10 kids in there with a husband and wife, nine or 10. We walked in and I, we, we, I'm sorry, we did have a Spanish interpreter with us and I started talking to them and they said, come eat. And they had uh, tortillas and, and a little bit of beans there. And they said, please sit, please sit. And I went, I don't want to eat these people's food. And then I just really got convicted really bad. You know what that is. That's when, that's when God makes you feel bad. Anyway, but I'm saying that I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I went in and I, I sat down and when he sat down and they served us and we ate with them. And I remember they were so happy that we were there. And I remember him saying something to me that I never forgot. And I want to pass it to you. He said this to the interpreter. It's hard to say it even now. We have food and we have Jesus. It's all we need. I'll never forget his words. I said, would you have him say that again? He said, we have food and we have Jesus. And that's all we need. And I thought, I'm going back home to a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house to wonderful. We had our son, not our daughter at the time. I'm going back to a college ministry that I love in a city of 40,000 students. I have access to restaurants. I have access to a good salary. I get paid well. I have two cars, one wife, one dog. I've got, you know, I had it all. And I'm going back to that thinking, I just want to throw away everything I've got and sell it and give it to the poor. After something like that, you see that you realized how privileged not only we are in this nation, But you know what? They didn't really care. Their kids were happy. 
They were playing in that dirt. Oh, they didn't know any better. I think they knew something maybe we take for granted. Their dependency was on each other, and their dependency was on God. I have food, and I have Jesus. Would that be said for us? And I think that's one of the ways you keep a pure heart, is your dependency on God. Not worry about the stuff. Because Jesus said, don't worry about Solomon and how he's dressed. Don't worry about the array. He said, I, I can clothe the flowers. I can surely clothe you. Amen. God knows how to take care of us. We've got pure hearts, how to keep it. Keep it by having childlike faith. Keep it by a repentant heart and repenting quickly. And keep it by your dependency on God. The three images I want you to have today, and I don't do this a lot, but I want you to picture my sweet little wonderful granddaughter, Wonder. And I want you to picture... Flipping houses just on TV when you see those programs that you'll turn it over quickly. And then I do want you to get in your mind that image of that man. Just He put his hand to his chest. And, his, and he went to the... I said, you don't have to come to the service you want to, but you are coming and getting your teeth fixed. He said, what? I said, so they, they helped him repair some of his teeth too because it was... He smiled and, you know, he just said, we have food and we have Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's thank God for today, and let's keep a pure heart. After I pray, uh, the bishop is going to come up and receive us in membership and install us as your pastor. And I will say this, we've had a lot of proud moments in our life, but we're really proud to be here and proud of God's future and what he's going to do. Because the future is not ours, the future is the Lord's. Father, thank you today for a great church. Thank you today that you give us hearts that are pure, hearts that are love. God, may I have a pure heart before you. May I be, may I keep seeing that young Mexican man with all those children saying, we have food and we have Jesus. May I, you know, I can, you know, some days I feel like I can't, but I can do without the food, but I certainly can't do without Jesus. Help me to know Jesus. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you want to grow in Jesus, I'm here. We can talk after service about discipleship. But I want you to know that God is in this place. God bless these people. God bless our meal today. Bless our fellowship. Thank you for Bishop Gary and Cynthia being here. Thank you for their friendship. God, we pray for them in the name of Jesus. That you will go with them on the road. That you will give them favor. That you will cover your hand on them. That you will give them blessing for their effort. May God, you give them God ideas as they lead and train and strategize. Be with them, God. May your breath go with them everywhere they go. We pray for our leadership, God. May you be with them and be with us today. And be with those that aren't here because of the cold or for some reason. We know our members that aren't here. Bless them. Heal Joe at home today, God. We give you our lives and our heart. And God's people said amen. amen. Come on up, sir. Thank you. Do you want me to go up? Amanda, you can call me. Okay. Bless you, buddy. The, the scripture uh, talks about the need for us to be careful that we graft the word into us that we would not sin against God. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And in light of the word of the Lord today to us, 
that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so I just want you to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to just maybe place one of your hands over your chest, representing your heart, uh, your your inner being, and and uh, just bow uh, yourself in the presence of the Lord today. When I think about, I'm not exactly sure how grafting takes place. I know that in plants there's usually some kind of slit where you cut and slice the bark and you put another living branch in. And so just imagine today, as your heads are bowed, that the Holy Spirit just begins like the the piercing of the Word of God. It's it's related to as the sword of the Word of God, that it cuts and pierces and divides asunder. And so today, let this Word, the Word preached to you today in the presence of the Holy Spirit, touch you, that you remain pure, that you continue on the road where you've done a 180 in repentance and are walking to the Lord that you stay pure in heart. If you're one of those that our pastor challenged us today about, that if you're not yet pure, what a great moment here right now in the presence of God as we allow His Word to be grafted in us, to take root and to spring to life and to give life everlasting. So, Heavenly Father, I just pray once again, as already been prayed for this uh, Word today, that we acknowledge, understand that we are standing in your presence and that we are accountable for the things that we've heard today. And so we, Lord, we do allow your, your Holy Spirit to place this word in us, grafted in us, Lord. Let it become a part of our being, of our living, that we would remain pure in your sight, for we really do indeed want to see you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's nothing in the way today of anyone standing here. Lord, no obstacle, uh, no crisis, no challenge that can keep you, Lord, from making them fully alive and letting this word spring up in them. We pray blessing and favor um, in your presence over each one. We give thanks in your name. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. We are we are always so thankful and blessed to be here today, and uh, I, I wanted to begin by acknowledging, appreciating this church. Uh, as your pastor was sharing of the all the churches that were closing, we I had a couple of conversations with him. Are you, so you guys are having church on Sunday? Well, yeah, I guess so. And so uh, we, uh, as we were pulling in, we we arrived late today because one of our vehicles wouldn't start. Uh, and uh, it took a while to unice the second one, and we round the the corner and pull in and see all those cars. And I said, "Wow, they're not only having church; they're having people." And so, I, I commend you for being here today. But certainly, my my thoughts and and um, um, recollections of this local church are, have really much more than that. I think about your heart for the Lord, and how you love Him, and how you have been so faithful. And how you continue to stand together. And it is a privilege of ours to be present today again for the, the placing of your pastor. And I'd like to ask uh, Brother and Sister Snyder, Bill and Wendy Snyder, if you, the two of you would come and stand and uh, face the congregation. And so 
you know, every church does things a little different. When we first met at a restaurant and we're talking with them, I said, now, you know, one of the things that we'll do is we look forward to your licensure and placing the two of you as pastors that we have the privilege of uh, receiving you as membership into the Church of God of Prophecy. And so I, I just kind of have a feeling that you guys are going to see this happen a lot more frequently moving forward, yes. that God's going to build this church yeah. Blow out your walls, and he's going to bring revival to North Kansas City. So, um, Bill and Wendy, if you would just place your hand upon uh, the scripture today, and I'm going to share the covenant that we uh, uh, recite when we receive members into the church. And then, um, if you are willing, if you will just answer, I will. So, um, will you sincerely promise in the presence of God and these witnesses that you will accept this Bible as the Word of God? Believe and practice its teachings rightly divided, the New Testament, as your rule of faith, practice government and discipline, and walk in the light to the best of your knowledge and ability. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you uh, into membership in the North Brighton, Kansas City Church of God of Prophecy. Amen. Would you cheer them? (laughs) I'm just going to have them to remain there. for you longtime members, you know that it's what's well, not actually a, a part of membership, but we extend the right hand of fellowship, welcoming memberships into this local church. But uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to make it official. Uh, I know that we've already had meetings and prayer, and uh, we we feel very confident about what the Lord is up to here at our uh, church in North Brighton. It, it is worth pointing out. Uh, that we remind ourselves that this is not so much a business act as it is an act of acknowledging the heart of God. That the scripture says that I will give you pastors. And so when we understand the significance of this, that this is not a Gary Smith decision, this is not a Bill and Wendy Snyder decision, this is not a Uh, uh, North Brighton, Kansas City decision, but this is a God decision, then it it lends extra importance and significance to this moment that we are agreeing together that we want to work to the heart of God. Uh, For you that have been serving the Lord for a while, you understand the significance of having a man of God and a woman by his side that wants to hear the Lord and is willing to through whatever challenge to face what God has before them. And so ministry is for a season, and in the Snyder's life, he has now brought this season to be your pastor and to serve alongside you. We understand again that in, in the role of the harvest that we, are, uh, that we follow a long line of leaders that have planted and watered and labored, and we join the ranks of all the succession of generations. I'm not sure some of you may know how long has the church been established, the Summit Street. Does anyone, uh, what date was it organized? It's, it's been here for a while, 1933. And, and so we're moving close to a 100-year celebration But again, I'm just believing that there are bright days in in your very near future. And so the natural progression of the church is to grow, but for that to happen, there needs to be a congregation and a pastor that is willing to say yes. And we've come to that point that we're willing to say yes, Lord. 
And so, again, uh, I have met with um, your pastor and his wife. We have, um, we have laughed together, we have prayed together, and we are rejoicing together. And I, I wanted, before that I'd make the official announcement as a bishop of the Heartland America region, to just address the church for just a few moments about the things, the expectations for you. What do you do when you understand and acknowledge that pastors come from God, that God has given us a pastor, so where do our responsibilities lay? Well, to begin with, and I'm sure that you are probably aware of these, that prayer is essential. You need to pray for this couple not just for how they present themselves here uh, at this pulpit or in this church, but you need to pray. You need to pray a, a hedge of protection and prayer around them. There is a real enemy. Uh, they are targets, but they are protected by your prayers. And so, pray for pastors for your pastor that God has given you. You need to practice what he preaches. Now, we, we know, we expect that of him, the saying, practice what you preach. But the expectation is, is that you'll practice what he preaches. Because, again, as God gives pastors, God gives the vision. And so as the vision from the Lord flows through a pastor, then it's an expectation that you would practice what he preaches as he leads the church forward. And finally, uh, is that you need to provide for them. You need to take care of them. This is a, a mandate, a practice from the Old Testament all the way through the New that you take care of what is mine and I'll take care of what's yours. We, we call that the principle of stewardship. We, we faith that out with the practice of tithing. But here is another place where it's very real that you take care of what is God's, this couple right here that God has placed here. You take care of them and you bless them, you pray for them, you protect them, and you provide for them. And the promise of the Lord is, is that I'll take care of what is yours. So will you stand with me at this time? As, as the bishop for the Heartland America region for the Church of God of Prophecy, it gives me great pleasure to place as your pastors, Bill and Wendy Snyder. Praise the Lord. <laughs> So I'm now going to ask you to come by and greet them. Uh, uh, Cynthia says I'm a hugger. That's what she says about herself. So however that you greet and meet, come by and welcome your new pastor and our two newest members to the North Brighton Church.